Father God, I thank you for today. Thank you, Father, that your mercies are new every morning, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are the ancient of days, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you, God, that you have called us forth, that you have set our feet upon a sure foundation, God. And I pray, Father, as we enter into this time of fellowship, Father, that it would be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.
you for who you are. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The risen Son of God. Thank you, Father, that no weapon forged against us this day shall prosper. Thank you, Father, that the work in which you've begun in us, Lord, you are faithful to complete it. Pray, Father, that we truly would have a, a fresh awakening. God, a hunger and a thirst for more of you. That we would throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, God, and that we would stand for righteousness in a darkened generation. That we would be the light, the reflection of Christ to a dying world. And our hearts would cry in unity. Let thy kingdom come and let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Awaken the church this morning, I pray, God, throughout the world. God, that we would not continue to, to remain complacent but God, that we would have a fresh wind and a fresh fire of boldness, discernment of the hour. And that we would be faithful with all that you've entrusted to us to accomplish your purpose and your plan. You've given us the ministry of reconciliation to go and to declare the good news, to reconcile people back to you Father, may we truly get over ourselves, truly live humble lives, advancing your kingdom. For your name's sake, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. Not a lot of talk but living through God's power. Trusting and knowing the God in whom you are calling upon. There's no other name but the name of Jesus. There's no other religion out there that can offer you the hope that is found in Christ. Jesus, you all. Just the name alone makes darkness tremble. Jesus. Jesus. Go to John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. I'm hoping next week we'll pick back up walking through. But today we want to look at Scripture to really grasp the fullness of who Christ is and the times in which we're living. Over the past few weeks, or a month, we're going to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I've been encouraging you all to not to have your theology, the knowledge of Christ, of God, taught to you by the enemy, taught to you by lukewarm people. Because the enemy and lukewarm people, are, they are not going to give you the right picture of who Christ is. Like we live in a fallen world. And we understand that in the fallen nature of man, 
All of us are born into sin. Our nature is in complete rebellion towards God. But when our eyes are open, and as we've been studying, who is blinding the eyes of people? Satan. And only God can open them. Only God can open them. And so when you're praying for lost ones, pray that their eyes would be open, that they would clearly see the risen Savior. You see, the enemy is working overtime, and I've been encouraging us that as the kingdom of God is advancing, let's not forget that the kingdom of darkness is advancing. But the good news that we know as believers is that the kingdom of darkness cannot overthrow God's kingdom. Can't. But we know this. The enemy still sticks his claim on this earth. And he is a murderous being. He is the father of lies. Deception. He already knows his end. The same with the demons. They already know their end. And I keep encouraging us and warning us, open your eyes, look around you, see how things are progressing overnight. Evil is on an increase. The flesh and the desire and the love of many are growing cold. Rebellion, perversion, the occult, everything's rising up and we're now living in a nation that used to be God-fearing that we have politicians attacking Christians attacking the teachings of Jesus and if that doesn't shake us to our very core and go oh wait a minute we can't keep playing games we can't keep just going to church and not being the church like something is shifting in the spiritual realm darkness is rising up and we, as the church, are to be the light. Amen. Knowing good and well, knowing good and well, that we will be hated. And I want to ask all of us today, how are you preparing to live in such a world? You see, the church in the Western side, see, we've kind of skated through generations. We go to church... We do our church things. We have a little bit of the world, maybe a lot of the world, and just a little bit of Jesus, and we all feel like we're safe and all. But are you ready to stand for what's coming? You need to ask yourselves that. No matter what your age is, the lure, the pull of the world, the pull of darkness, Satan himself, is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he doesn't mind you having Jesus on your lips. What he minds is if he's in your heart. Listen, I cannot believe, again, that we're living in a day and age in America where Christians are being attacked by politicians. I mean, something is taking place. When you see good, moral, righteous living being stripped and, 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 and rebuked and challenged by the world, 
is it, does it even make sense that living right is a concern to people? The reason why people hate it is because because of us just living right brings judgment upon them. The Bible is very clear of that. To some, you will be a fragrance of life. To others, you're a stench of death. Oh, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. And we're not to be afraid of what they can do to us. Because as Christians, we already come to an understanding that this world is not our home. We're not seeking for the temporalness of this life. We have found all that we need and all that we are in Christ. We're putting on Christ daily. We're walking in the Spirit daily. We're growing. We're maturing daily. Because we recognize, as I've been saying these past months, we're behind enemy lines. And oh, how we need to start thinking that way. Living peacefully. Living as wise people. As people of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of darkness. Being as innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent. Living quiet lives. Being a good employee, a good employer, a good student. Just living a life that is so opposite of the ways of this world. And we're not trying to yoke our old lives to Christ because <laughs> that's not a Christian. In Christ, we are new creations. No matter where, what our flavor of sin was, no matter what our rebellious nature pulled us to or draws us to or the desires that are within if they're contrary to God's truth, we can't slap Christian on our lives and go, well, I'm a Christian anyways. Oh, no. No, we recognize it's sin. And the good news is, is that sin is no longer our master. Oh, but I feel it. I, I, I desire it. Well, then that's when you remind yourself that you've nailed your desires to his cross. Yeah. And you leave them there. And you get up daily. Dressing for battle behind enemy lines. Learning to stand when everything is screaming at you to come out and play. You say, oh no, I know you. I know where you'll take me. I know what you want from me. But I'm dead to you. And I'm alive in Christ. We need to learn to stand you all because the days are evil and they're only going to get worse. They're only going to get worse. And you say, well, what kind of good news is that? And I keep telling you the good news is Jesus is alive. When Jesus came to the earth, he knew the cross was before him. He didn't come thinking that there is any other way. There is only one way. The cross. The cross. And as it is with Christians, when you give your life to Christ every single day, 
the only thing that is before you is the cross. That's why Jesus himself said, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. There's no other way around it. And you say, well, that's not a fun life. Compared to what? Compared to the world? Compared to the temporalness of life? Compared to everything that's going on out there? All of that is dying. I'm reminded what the psalmist says. Our life is but a breath. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow. And do you really want to live the rest of your life bound to yourself, your desires, and the temporalness of life of everything that's fading away. Well, you have a right to do that. And people who want to live that way are not our enemies. They have a right to live however they want. They have a right to believe however they want. They have a right to hate Christ, and they have a right to hate the church. They have a right. And we will love them, and we will respect them, and we will serve them. But we're not to get caught up with them. We're not, to, we're not to partake of the temporalness of life and allowing the temporal things of this life be what pulls us. Because at any moment, everything that we're longing for and wanting and needing could be gone. Gone in an instant. And then what do we have? What do we have? Oh, but when you base your hope in Christ, when you base your hope in his teachings, when you truly know that you know that you know that he is risen, that he has conquered sin and death, that he is seated at the throne, that you realize that he has called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light, and then he says, now go bear my image. And we need to ask ourselves daily, how are we doing bearing his image? Are people seeing us? Or are they seeing Christ? Because if they're seeing us, something's wrong. Because they're not living for self any longer. They're not living for self any longer. Living for Christ and Christ alone. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That is it. There's nothing else. There's no one else. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's all you, Lord. I just want to be with you. I just want to follow you. And when my old nature tries to rear its ugly head, I want to remind him whom I belong to. I don't want to try to define him. I don't want to try to make sense of him. No. I need to remind him he's dead. And alive to Christ. There is an eternal hell. A place for people who deny Christ who have a form of religion, a place of torment, an eternal place of judgment. And you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's fine. <laughs> but if you're not a Christian, <laughs> rather you believe it or not, that's where you're going. Because you're going to live for eternity somewhere. See, that's really what you were created for. 
But the enemy's working overtime to parade before us everything of this temporal life that only leads to death, only leads to destruction, only leads to confusion. And why are we choosing to go that route? When God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus, there's an eternal kingdom of heaven that is waiting for those who belong to Jesus, who trust in him, who say, God, I see that I am a sinner, that God, there's nothing good in me. So I surrender. Have your way. Take the throne of my heart. You are my Lord and my Savior. I am at your command. (laughs) Lead me. Guide me. I want to live a life that's honoring you. And all that I say and do. And when I fail. And when I mess up. (laughs) I know that you'll be quick to convict. To pull me up. Not keep me down. (laughs) Because it's the enemy that comes when you mess up. He wants to enslave your mind. He wants to enslave you in your failure and take your eyes off of Jesus' victory. That's how the enemy works. He wants you just looking at yourself. There's nothing good in you. And I know we like to believe there is. But no, that old nature is in complete rebellion towards God. Towards his kingdom. The church needs to live out Christ, you all. It's the most craziest thing for the church to say that she is the bride of Christ. That we believe in our hearts that he is the son of God. And we confess with our mouth that he rose from the dead. He has destroyed sin and he has destroyed death. And then yet live lives that are yoked to the two things that he defeated. It doesn't make any sense. But that's the enemy. Let them parade around. (laughs) Believing. And not really being. See, that's why James tells us we just can't be hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word. There's an urgency in our lives from the time that all of this was written to the times until he returns. There needs to be an urgency in the church to reveal Christ to others. Because he's the only hope. He's the only hope. He's the only way. I had a conversation the other day with a young man. And God is stirring him up. And what he believes is so anti-Christ. <laughs> but there's an awakening taking place because every time he would say something, I would come back and say, but scripture says. Oh, yeah, 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 I know that, blah, blah, blah. Say something else. And I would say, but scripture says And by the third or fourth time, I said, but scripture says, he was like, I I didn't know that. He's like, I want to know more. He goes, isn't this interesting? Nowadays, people who disagree, they fight. 
But you and I are having a conversation. I said, I have no reason to fight with you. I have no reason to fight with you. I respect what you want to believe. But it's my duty (laughs) to reveal to you the truth of God's word. It's not what Rob says. It's what scripture says. It's what scripture says. And I've always told you, when you share it with others, make sure you're sharing it with yourself. Throughout the day, I remind myself, Rob, this is what Scripture says. I can choose to believe what Rob says, (laughs) or what this person says, or that person says. But all that's temporalness. But if I choose to believe what Scripture says, it's the eternal word. From beginning to end. And it radically transforms lives. For the better. Not for the worse. There's nothing in here that's going to transform your life for the worse. It's for the better. Even when you suffer. For Christ's sakes. It's for the better. Consider it joy. When you face many trials. And persecution for his sake. Oh, don't be shaken by it. Consider it joy. To be marked as one of his. Let them do whatever they want to do. Let them mock you. Let them beat you. Let them imprison you. Let them kill you. Consider it joy. Could you imagine if we lived that way every day? Considering it joy. To go forward. And pronounce and and, and reveal Christ by declaring the gospel, by just loving people and serving people, that they would know us by our love. And I'm going to have an opportunity tomorrow night to sit down with this young man and his fiancée. I'm believing God's going to do something amazing there. It was just a conversation. This is what scripture says. This is what scripture says. This is what scripture says. And I want to challenge us, you all. You need to be out there sharing truth. Not everybody's going to want to hear it. But share truth, you all. All we have to give is Jesus. That's it. There's no need to spin it and make it something that it's not. Because isn't it crazy? You hear a lot of stuff preaching from churches or preaching from the mouths of Christians. And it's nowhere to be found. We spin the message of Christ to make the flesh feel better. And that is demonic. That's hell. (laughs) Advancing its kingdom. Because remember, all that is to take place before his return, the Antichrist spirit's already been loosed on the earth. There's going to come a fulfillment of prophecy when it feels an individual. And then that individual is going to take their place and do many signs and wonders. 
promote peace, peace. And millions, if not billions, are going to be deceived. And those who stand for Christ, oh, they think it's bad now? <laughs> it's going to be hellacious then. All of this has to take place, and that's why I'm telling you, as Christians, we can't spin this message to try to promote our lives. No, this message is one that calls us to die to ourselves. Remember, the cross is before us. Jesus is the one who came before us. He's our example. We're following him. He knew what was before him. But he went every day. Faithfully doing the will of the Father. Knowing good and well, not everybody is going to follow him. This is Jesus, you all. This is the kingdom in which if you are a Christian that you have been called into, you didn't wake up one day and say, oh, today I'm going to follow Jesus. No, that's not how it worked. God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son, Jesus. It is his desire. He has purposed you. He has called you. He has planned you. He knows the plans that he has for you. He's specifically designed you for such a time as this. You're not here by accident. <laughs> you were here for this generation. You were here for this purpose. To be his vessel. To be able to stand amongst a lot of crooked people and to stand upright so that you look different. It says here, John chapter 1, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was God and the Word was, I'm sorry, the Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent man, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came, and listen to this, talking about Jesus, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all, look at this great news here, verse 12, but to all who believe in him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word of God became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about 
when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Jesus, you all. Remember, I keep encouraging you. He's a God of love and he's a God of wrath. And they go hand in hand. And he's a just God. He's a just God. There's no error in his judgment. God sent Jesus into this world. And yet those who should have known him didn't. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. There's no wrong in Jesus. I know we like to blame God for things, but there's no error in God. I know we like to question God, but God is not to be questioned. He's God. His ways are right. His ways are true. You may say, well, I don't believe that. That's your choice. That doesn't change who God is. No matter what they're teaching in schools now, no matter how they're working tirelessly to strip God away from everything, it doesn't matter. The enemy it can work overtime. His kingdom can continue to advance. But it's only advancing because God's allowing it. <laughs> He's God. So by God, we need to start seeing him for who he is and celebrating him for the victory that is found in him. The captives are set free. Chains are broken. Blind eyes are open. New life is coming forth. Because of God. Because of God. And people can parade around all they want nowadays. <laughs> doing whatever they want, claiming to be whatever they want. But God is God. And there's no way of moving him or changing his mind. It's been established since the beginning. Since the beginning. He's so gracious. He's so kind. He's so much full of love. And yet we reject him. We say, no, you're not God. And for what? What are we rejecting him over? Because of our desires that are within us? The, the things that are out here? People that are out here? Like for a moment, this feels better. Oh, but it's only for, for a moment. And then it's gone. God is forever. His kingdom is eternal. So we must wake up. Go to John chapter 3. 
We've been talking about Nicodemus, and we've been talking about this portion of Scripture over the past couple weeks or so, but I want to look at it again today. John chapter 3. We're going to read through 21. 1 through 21. So there was this man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit. Humans can, can produce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where, it's com where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. <clears throat> and this is where I really want to focus in on. Listen to this question that this religious leader asked. This is a man who had thought he was right with God. Like, I have a relationship with God. He studied their law. He taught it. He knew it back and forth, front and back, left and right, up and down. He knew it. And now all of a sudden, there's this new religious man on the scene and it's something's happening inside of him. And then he hears what Jesus is telling him. You must be born again of the spirit, not of the flesh. Only humans can produce the flesh. God rebirths. And it's a birthing of the spirit. It's an awakening. But look at his question. How are these things possible? Let's hear Jesus' reply. You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me, then I tell you about earthly things how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, <clears throat> so that everyone who believes in him, look at this, will have eternal life. He's foreshadowing the cross, way before the cross. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. You see Jesus' purpose? And then I know people like to harp on this and say, well see, don't judge, don't judge. Jesus didn't judge. <laughs> Jesus didn't have to judge. 
because Jesus already knew the world stands condemned. Jesus already knew that those who are against him already stand condemned and they will face an eternal hell. So he came with the purpose of redeeming people, of saving people. Remember, the purpose was the cross. Look what it says there. But to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone, look at this, who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. So just in case anyone ever questions you, God, look at this, God's light came into the world. That light being Jesus. But people loved the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see, look how you should be living, look how I should be living, can see that they are doing what God wants. Think about that. That should, be, that should challenge us daily. Is that what others are seeing in our life? Or are they just seeing me? And my wants and my desires and my attitudes and my mouth and this and that. Are they just seeing us? Because no, they should be seeing like they're living how God wants us to live. And God's ways are good. God's ways benefit you. There's one thing I was talking to this young man about. He was spouting off a lot of kingdom principles under the guise of teachings of the new age. And so when I looked at him and I said, listen, man, do you realize the principles in which you're talking about are the principles of the kingdom of God? And I said, listen, temporal man can put the principles of the, of the kingdom of God in place and they will benefit from them. I said, but you realize you're only benefiting from them now. But when you take your last breath, you've got nothing. He just kind of looked at me. I said, I challenge you, go look at every religion you can possibly think of in this world. And I said, their formative foundational truths are actually scripture just twisted and perverted. You see how the enemy works. Oh, have what you want. Get it, get it all, get it all, and get it all. All for the sake of being religious, but in the end, you got nothing. You got nothing. It's only those who believe and confess in Jesus Christ who are born again. Get the twofold benefit, if you would. And the benefits of the principles of the kingdom here and now, 
and the king and his kingdom for eternity. It's the fullness. It's the wholeness. There's nothing missing, nothing broken. But are we sharing this? Are we encouraging people? Are we sitting down? Do we, do we have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? Do we desire Christ and more of him daily? Not just a one-shot time deal. No, like daily you should be hungering and thirsting. Because God, if I'm not hungering and thirsting for you, I know the flesh is going to hunger and thirst for what's out here. That's why we must learn to be disciplined. Like every good soldier. We don't send undisciplined soldiers to war. Could you imagine? That's why they go through an intense training through boot camp. That's why they go through through a season of, of learning to be broken and understand authority. As we see it in the natural, so we better understand it in the spiritual. We're behind enemy lines. We don't get yoked up with the enemy. We know whom we belong to, who has given us orders. We must discipline ourselves now. And we rely not only on ourselves, but we rely on him to bring forth that discipline in our lives. Because in and of ourselves, we won't live right. That's why I keep reminding you. Don't beat yourself up when you fall. Just get up and recognize, oh, God, I'm sorry. Because he brings the conviction. You don't belong there. Stop talking like that. Stop doing that. You're to look like me. But God, I failed you a hundred times. Get up. So what? I started it in you. I'm going to be faithful to complete it. Just get up and go forward. Oh, but what are they going to say? Who cares what they think and what they say? What drives you is what I say concerning you. See, it's just a changing of mindset. As you think, so you go. And when you see yourself as a child of God, as a child of light, so you'll live. Even when you're getting pushed all around. Even when darkness tries to stain you. You say, no, God, forgive me. My God, I need more of you. Nicodemus came seeking. And Jesus clearly explained it. Go to John chapter 8. Verse 12. John 8, verse 12. And we're going to read through 59 through the rest of the chapter. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. These are Jesus' words, you all. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light, look at this, (laughs) that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, these are the religious people, you're making those claims about yourself 
such testimony is not valid. <laughs> Jesus told them, These claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards. But I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Who is your Father, they asked, and Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Later, Jesus said to them again, I'm going away. You will search for me, but you will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. And we've read this scripture before, but I wanted to get it back before us. These are religious people who think they are right with God, and yet they're so far away from God. And they're challenging Jesus because they don't like the fact that they're not secure. And that's what you'll find with people who aren't secure in Christ. They will challenge Jesus. Christians, pastors, because they're insecure. See, when we're secured in Christ, we have all that we need. We have the assurance of who he is. I don't have the assurance of who I am. I know who I am apart from Christ. He's a hot mess. But I know Christ. And you can wake up secure each day. You can wake up with the fullness of who Christ is and the light and the life of Christ with a certainty that nothing is missing and nothing is broken. I'm not searching to be fulfilled out here in this world or out here in relationships. No, I am content in Christ. Content. At peace. So it doesn't bother me what man thinks. What concerns me is what my father thinks. Does he know me? Does my heart belong to him? These people are challenging. They think they're in right standing with God and they're going straight into his kingdom. And look what Jesus tells the religious people. You are going to die in your sin. Oh, you cannot come with me. They're furiated. Because they always get irritated with Jesus. They're challenging him. They're going at him. And so when we see all these weird people on television stating that they're Christians, and then right out of their mouth, they start talking about their lives. And then the crazy thing is, the man that I'm specifically thinking of, then turns around just a week later, and then tells people that Christians are worse people. They're worse threat than the jihadists, the Muslim jihads. And you just go, well, 
You just called yourself a Christian last week. And then you were attacking other Christians for living a good moral life. And now just a week later, you're warning the American people that Christians are just as a serious threat as radical Islamists. Which is it, buddy? Do you see how confused the world is? Do you see the confusion that's even coming out of their own mouths? And yet, people are falling prey to it. They're believing it. Oh, we better wake up. We better wake up. And we better be just as bold and and confident in our God as Christ was. He was very direct with them. Oh, you're going to die in your sin. You're not coming with me. The people ask, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I'm going. And Jesus continued, you are from this, I'm sorry, you are from below. And I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. So that doesn't make God a bad God. Because you like people to hear, you like people like to hear and say, oh, what a horrible God that would send people to hell. Oh no, oh no, you'll go to hell because you are horrible. (laughs) Because you say there's no God. Oh, don't put that on God. He's been very clear with mankind since the beginning, revealing himself over and over and over and over and over and over. And then it's mankind who says, no, you're not God. Okay, well then, that is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, You will die in your sins. Who are you? They demanded. (laughs) And Jesus replied, The one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only that I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about the Father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up, listen, he's telling them what they're about to do to him. He's telling them, you're about to crucify me. So when he says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. And I love that verse because that's how we should be pattering our lives. Jesus sent us. He's not going to desert us. And it should please us to do what he's called us to do. Then many, then many who heard him said these things, look at this, I love this, believed in him. Not everybody. But many. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. You are truly my disciples. 
if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will keep you in bondage. Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't say that. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free. Freedom. There's freedom in Christ. There's freedom. There's freedom. The chains are broken. There is hope for deliverance. Trust and believe. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins, underline this, look at that is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. You're no longer a slave to sin. Oh, but my mind keeps bringing it up. My desires are firing up within me. Then you tell yourself you're dead. Remind yourself you've been set free. I don't go that way anymore. I don't bend that way anymore. I'm to stand upright because I've been freed. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Yes, I realize, Jesus says, that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. Think about that line. As it was then, so it is now. There's no room in the hearts of mankind for the message of Christ. That's why they hate Christ. That's why they hate Christians. That's why they don't like church. (laughs) Because they don't like his message. He goes on, I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father. But you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declare. They're basing everything, listen y'all, they're basing everything that they're saying back to Jesus on what they've been taught about God. I mean, this is a huge blow coming to them. The Jews put all their hope in Abraham. No, Jesus replied. For if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They said, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. And Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me. Because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. This is important. Look at what Jesus is telling them. So they go from saying, Abraham's our father. 
And Jesus says, nope, nope, nope. God's our father. Now they're just trying to pick a daddy. And Jesus is like, no, <clears throat> no. And a lot of people use this as an argument. They'll stake the name of Christ. They'll say that they're a Christian. They will say that they're children of God. And yet they're so far away from him. And you say, well, how do you know? By your actions. Your actions will always tell you who you're reflecting. Who you're reflecting. Your actions will always tell you and tell others who's your daddy. Listen to what Jesus says here. Why can't you understand, verse 43, what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. Look at this, verse 44. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was always hated. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is his const- I'm sorry, it is constant with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Did you hear that? Like here's your real daddy, the devil. And you can tell that he's your real daddy because you go along with him. You are partaking of that which is evil, and you're a liar. You keep living a way that is so opposite of what is true. So that when you do hear truth, you don't even believe it. Because you've grown accustomed to your daddy. God help us. Then he goes on, which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God, look at this, listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. The people retorted, you Samaritan devil. Didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Do you see Jesus, you all? He's not a weak-willed, weird man. He's God. He is exposing darkness. Darkness is trembling. Darkness still trembles because of Jesus. I told you, and I keep telling you, it doesn't make sense that governments want to kill Christians. That governments throughout the centuries have tried to take the word of God away from Christians. It doesn't make sense that religious institutions kept the word of God away from the people just to to control people. There is such an onslaught attack against Christians. And for what reason? 
I love what Jesus says here. What, what sin do you find in me? What have I done wrong? What is wrong with the teachings of Jesus? They make people better. They, it humbles people. The teachings of Jesus make us harder workers. More compassionate, more caring. We give, we give, we give of our time, of our resources. We serve, we love. We humble ourselves. We respect authority. We're not caught up in the wickedness. Governments, leaders should want Christians around them. Because they're people who obey. And yet, they're being slaughtered all throughout the earth. And so I told you, then that should open your eyes. There's a greater force that's taking place. It's a realm that which we cannot see. It's the kingdom of darkness who says, kill them. (laughs) Silence those people. (laughs) They are representing him. Kill them. Slaughter them. Take their word from them. Mock them. Laugh at them. Make them look look like they're idiots. Strip everything down that is right. Slap your name as a Christian and live however you want. Water it all down. The devil knows what he's doing. But God is greater. And God is good. Jesus makes the darkness tremble. So mock him all you want. (laughs) Refuse to come to him all you want. Keep living however you want. You're only proving the fact of who your daddy is. The devil. Then people said, Now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham the prophets died. But you say, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die? Are you greater than our father Abraham? Notice how now they want to go back to their father being Abraham. (laughs) He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my father who will glorify me. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great as a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. (laughs) At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. They're fired up. They're angry. Their flesh and their motives are being challenged. They sense a judgment is a coming. And so they react ugly. (laughs) But I love Jesus, you all. I love Jesus. Until, like, before I was a Christian, like, I thought Jesus was just this weird weirdo. (laughs) 
this weird hippie, this weird guru who thought he knew everything. Because my daddy was the devil. <laughs> so I believed everything that the devil wanted to tell me about him. But when I got to know him, <laughs> when my eyes began to open and my ears were open to hear truth, and I began to see Jesus for truly who he was, and I saw him and how he responded, it's like, God. Like, he not only knew the Father, but he obeyed. Oh, that that would be our prayer. It's just not the understanding. It's just not having the knowledge of God. It's all about obeying Him. Because even Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't obey what I say? It doesn't go together. Your knowledge, your belief, and your confession of Christ will always lead to obedience. And there's no way around it. Go to Luke. Chapter 16, we're almost done here. Luke 16, I need everyone to look at this. And we're going to read Luke 16, verse 19 through 31. And I don't say this lightly. But this portion of Scripture is a Scripture throughout my walk with Christ that, that saddens me. There's a lot of different portions of Scripture that my heart aches, but when I read this portion, just even about to even talk to you about it, like I tear up, like when I think that there are going to be people who are going to spend an eternity in hell because they'd rather live for the temporalness of this life than to turn to the one who is nothing but love. That's all God is, is love. And when we're not accepting God, we're not accepting love. Oh, but I love this person. I know you don't even know love. Like you're to refuse God, you are refusing love. And for what? For what? To die in your sins? To be separated from God for all eternity? Listen to this parable, this teaching of Jesus. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived every day in luxury. At his gate, lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. <laughs> and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. 
The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, this, look at this. There's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. There's no getting out of hell for eternity. For eternity, torment, pain, for eternity. And for what? Because you just had to live how you felt you were. You just had to give in to everything and everyone that was around. You had to look like the world. You, had, you wanted the world so much more than you wanted love. Do you see the difference that Jesus is painting here? The heavenly banquet. The angels carried Lazarus away. Lazarus is at peace. He's enjoying eternity. The one begging is the one that's in the place of torment. If he would just put a a drop of water. Give me some type of relief. No, there's no relief for you. This is what you wanted. This is what you've chosen. Because everything out here looked good to you. You had all the luxuries in life. Now you have what you desired. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers. I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Even the one who's dead in hell wants to see his unsaved loved ones saved. <laughs> Tell them, warn them about this place. <laughs> but Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. And the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Who rose from the dead? Jesus. Jesus. And yet people do not believe it. Abraham said they can read for themselves what has been written. will not believe. <laughs> Send him back from the dead. Send him back from the dead. 
And Abraham says, oh no. <laughs> They're not even believing by those who are declaring truth. One raised from the dead. Not going to change it. You see, when people have just the will to live for themselves, they don't want to hear truth. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to obey it. And they will not conform to it. They will reject it. They will fight against it. They will try to water it down. They will do whatever just to live satisfied with the earthly things of life. See, these are Jesus' words. These aren't Rob's words. These are Jesus' words. And as I was telling that young man this week, Scripture says, Scripture says, Scripture says. See, ultimately it's going to have to be his decision. Ultimately. Because God is revealing himself. And God is drawing people in. Are you going to obey? That's the answer. Obedience. There's no other way around it, you all. There's no other way around it. There's no other way around it. Open up. Open up. See what it says. Go look for it for yourself. See, when I first became a Christian, I didn't have anyone to teach me except the Word of God. I opened up the Bible and I didn't like to read. I wasn't a, an educated man. But I knew God was doing something. I knew God. I just want to know you. If I'm not to be living this way, then God just show me. And I'll follow. No matter how hard it is, no matter what comes in my way, God, I just want to trust you. If you're real, if this is true, I got a call, well, a text yesterday that the man that I was in the relationship with, who had been with me since the age of 15, who have formed many years of my life, who I thought I loved and I thought he loved me, and I was out and I was proud and I didn't care what people thought of my life. But one day God stepped in. I said, no. You're mine. You're not his. You're mine. Come. Come follow me. And this man, for over a year, had to watch me transform. He loved me with the essence of what the world thinks is love, unselfishly in a way to allow me just to grow. And I've told you all before, he would say, I don't know how to fight for you. If it was another man, if it was anything else or anyone else, I would move mountains. But I don't know how to fight a God that you're loving more than me. Like you're changing. Like there's something happening in you. You're changing. He couldn't deny it. I, 
I wasn't trying to change. It was just happening. Because that's just what happens when you become a Christian. It's not a forced change. You can't help but change. Because you love Jesus. And He changes you. He changes you. And so get the message that He died a couple weeks ago yesterday. My heart just sunk. Like, oh God. <clears throat> Did He ever come to know you? Like He witnessed you. He witnessed your power. I don't know. I don't know if he did. I'm okay not knowing. But as I sat behind our condo yesterday, and I just sat there, just looking out at the ocean, just going, God, what was his last days like? God, did he call upon the name of the Lord? So then when I got to a place, I'm like, okay, God. I may never know. And I'm okay not knowing. But I got up and I said, God, 20 some odd years ago, you called me out. The life, my life has been crazy these 20 some odd years. But the only thing that's been constant, the only one who's been constant is Jesus. I wouldn't trade it for the world, you all. I wouldn't deny him for anyone or for anything. There's nothing that can compare to him. Like I had everything I ever wanted before I came to Christ. In the world since, I had every type of security you can possibly ever imagine. I was very wealthy. I was very secured. I was with someone that in the world sense would have never harmed me, never cheated on me. I didn't have to worry about anything. My life in the world sense would have been amazing. <laughs> but I would have ended up like this rich man. And like anyone else who denies Jesus, I would have ended up in hell. And for what? For what? Because my life was good. I mean, if you need to, we'll go back and read this story. This is Jesus' words. And as I was walking back to where Norma and Carrie were sitting, I said, God my life for the gospel. Like all I want people to see is Jesus. I want them to see what he saw. I want them to be able to look and say, I don't see anything else but Jesus. Like there's a love in you, man, that I don't understand. Like what is it? And I just want to be able to tell people about Jesus. I don't want to coddle people in their sin. I don't want to coddle people in their weird insecurities and this weird way of ministering. I don't want to do it. I just want to tell people about Jesus. Just look upon him. Just trust in him. And he will do great things in you and through you. 
It doesn't mean your life is going to be perfect because I opened up telling you your life actually is going to turn upside down as this world keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And even in our nation where Christians are being attacked. (laughs) But are you standing? (laughs) Are you standing? This man wanted the father Abraham to send the man who was in heaven back. He wanted just to make this send him over. Put a drop of water on my tongue. These flames are too hot. I'm tormented. And Father Abraham says, there's such a gulf between us. There's such a separation between us. Ain't no one coming out. Ain't no one getting in. You are where you chose to go. So again, You can't blame God. (laughs) It's your choice in this life. This life is all you have. You're here today and gone tomorrow. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow. Your loved ones are here today and they're gone tomorrow. Are you passionate enough to teach them, to share with them about Jesus, just to live your life before them? Because they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. You don't know. How much more time you have with people, no matter what their ages are. Are you loving them enough to let them know about Jesus? (laughs) About Jesus. (laughs) Because listen, Jesus makes the darkness tremble. He is the light, you all. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There's no other way to God but through Jesus. And remember what he said, just the last portion of scripture. The reason you don't believe is that you don't make any room for truth in your life. I mean, really, you are. It's not Jesus' fault, it's yours. It's because for whatever reason, this life is more pleasing. This temporal life is more satisfying. And the crazy thing is, it's not. I mean, the reality is, the majority of us sitting in this room, our lives are chaotic. And yet we are pleased with the chaos. You say, no, I'm not pleased with it. No, you are because we're remaining in it. And Jesus all along is on the outside saying, if you would just turn to me, if you would just come to me, if you would just obey me, I can't force you to love me. But if you would just turn to me and receive from me, I am love. I am the great I am. I am from the beginning and I am till the end. I am all that you need. No matter where you've been, what you've done, what you're going through, what you're thinking, none of that matters. Just turn to me. It's that simple. It's that simple. And turn to me and learn of me. And then go. Live like me. Because there's a dying world. My mission, he says was the cross. And so as it was mine, so it is yours. Daily. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross 
and go forward. Follow me. Serve as I serve. Love as I love. Respect authority. Live peaceful lives. Do what is good. Honor your mother and your father. Don't give in to all these temptations. You're behind enemy lines, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I will overcome anything that comes against you. Just trust in me. Abide in me. Remain in me. Because he who I set free is free. No longer a slave to sin. The victorious because I'm resurrected. It's your belief that he is the son of God and it's your confession out of your mouth that he is resurrected, that you are saved. Like I said earlier, it's weird to say that we belong to him and yet live for the very things that he defeated to yoke ourselves to the very things that he has destroyed. (laughs) That's odd. No, we live new lives now because we've been born again. We're closing in Romans 6. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. We're not waiting to live new lives. No, look what it says here. Now. Now. I don't feel it like. No, now. (laughs) You're born again. Now. Live new. Now. Live new. You're a new creation. Get up. Stop going back to your vomit. Stop going back to the old ways. Stop going back to the old desires. Stop, 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 stop. You're empowered with the Spirit of God, with God Himself as a believer. He is in you. You're not to yoke Him to the filth of this world. If you don't believe, that's fine. Live however you want. But we must stop saying we're Christians and living like the Antichrist. Now, we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to new life as he was. We know, look at this, this is how you should see yourself. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. 
And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil. Look at this, to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body, your whole body, as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sitting? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin. And have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and the result eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus makes the darkness tremble. There's no one greater than Jesus, you all. He breaks every chain. He turns every life around for the good. Living for Christ makes your life better. <laughs> for his good, not for your good. You're living righteously and right standing with God, not because of what you can do, but, what, but because of what Christ has done on the cross. You accept that, you believe it, you confess it, 
you get up every day, you're behind enemy lines, you better know what's out to get you. But you don't live afraid. <laughs> We're not afraid of darkness because Jesus makes the darkness tremble. Jesus in you will make the darkness tremble. Just get up and believe. Just begin to tear down strongholds. Use the weapon of your warfare. Dress for, for battle. Remind in Christ. Remain in truth. And don't yield any instrument of your body to wickedness. Guard your tongue. Guard your mind. Guard your heart. And remind yourself whom you belong to. If you're a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, well, then I'm not quite sure what it's going to take to convince you. Because man doesn't have the power to convince. But I do know this. God is revealing himself to you. So if you're remaining in a place where you're not a Christian, just know that what you're doing is you're stiff-arming God and you're telling him, you're not God. I'm going to do me. I'm going to live for me. And like we've already read, Jesus then already tells us who's our daddy. <laughs> it's the devil. And if you want to yoke yourself to that, that's your choice. Your blood is not on my hands. <laughs> I have shared with you eternal truths of Jesus. Of Jesus. Oh, church, we need to wake up. We need to come together collectively. We know we need him and we need each other because the days are getting more evil and we're losing loved ones left and right, going whichever way they want. And we've got to start taking a stand and going, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. We've got to discipline ourselves. In the matters of the kingdom, we must grow. We must mature. We don't have time to just play church or come to church. We must grow and be the church and live for Christ in a broken, crazy world that hates him. And the hatred for Christ is getting stronger. The closer his return is, it's growing stronger. So we don't have time to dance around with people and present this weird little gospel that we do and strip Jesus of his power to make them feel comfortable. No, 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 no. The line is drawn. You're either for him or you're against him. You're either for him or you're against him. But we must learn and choose daily to love because love wins, you all. Ultimately, love is already won. Jesus rose from the dead. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. I, for one, am choosing not to yoke myself to any of it. I just want to be yoked to Christ willingly. God, I'm yours. Whatever you want. Whatever you need. I'm yours. I just want to please you. And I pray that that's your heart's crying. If it's not, then I pray that you would come to that place. No matter where you're at, no matter what, what's going on in your life, no matter where you've been, because it's not about you. It's about Him. It's all about Him. So just look to Him and just say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me. And He's faithful. 
Like he's not going to come beat you down and say, oh, look how dirty you are. No, he's going to clean you. He's going to cover you. He's going to shelter you. He's going to protect you. He's going to keep you until you stand with him face to face when you take your last breath and then you're in his presence. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Like those are the those are the words you want to hear when you take your last breath. You want to be embraced and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You endured, you persevered, you accomplished what I set you out to do. You brought glory to my name. Now enter in. You don't want to hear. Depart from me. I don't know you. And you can say, but I went to church. My mama was a Christian. My grandma was a Christian. I served the homeless. I gave. I, I tried to live a good life. Then what? I don't know you. I don't know you. You can't enter my kingdom. I don't know you. Depart from me. You worker of sin. You lover of the flesh. I don't know you. And so it doesn't matter what some churches want to try to parade around that everyone's entering the heaven. That is not Jesus' message. He already knows not everyone's going because they'd rather live for themselves. So that's why I've always warned you, and this is what I'm going to close with. If you're hearing a gospel that is being preached, that's giving you the right to live however you want, you better realize the gospel is coming from the wrong daddy. <laughs> it's coming from the devil. Because Christ never and will never give you the right to yourself because that's not what he came to do. Did you not hear his words today? He didn't come to live for himself or to accomplish his will. It was all about the Father. And may that be said about us. That at the end of our lives, there will be no question that the fruit of our lives would have presented really who our daddy is, whom we love. I'm going to close this in worship, and then I'll close this in prayer.